0: Personally, I I don't remember ever learning about mental health or emotions or anything like that, controlling emotions, until actually university.
1: People who believe uh, their emotions are relatively controllable are less likely to experience symptoms of anxiety and depression.
2: Improving emotion regulation skills uh, is associated with better treatment outcomes for depression and anxiety symptoms in youth.
3: Welcome Whatever Works, Managing Emotions. Introducing our guests, Alex Daros, Matt Somerville, and Chloe Morgan.
2: I'm Alex Daros. I'm a clinical psychologist and postdoctoral fellow at the Centre for Addiction and Mental
1: Health. Hi everyone, I'm Matt Somerville. I'm an educational psychologist and a lecturer at UCL's Department of Psychology and Human Development.
0: Hi, I'm Chloe. I'm a freelance writer and barista, and I was on the youth advisory panel for the Emotional controllability Study.
3: How can emotional regulation help with youth anxiety and depression?
2: We were really trying to answer a question about whether improving emotion regulation skills was associated with uh, better treatment outcomes for youth that were aged 14 or 24. So essentially what we did was we went to the literature, we kind of systematically reviewed over a hundred different studies, and we were really focusing on two types of like classes of measures. So measures that looked at um, what we would call more effective emotion regulation skills, Um, you know, things like cognitive reappraisal, uh, problem solving, and then another class ineffective emotion regulation skills, which are like things like rumination and distraction and avoidance. And essentially what we found, we included all these different groups of people, so college students, high school students, treatment-seeking people, um, across all these different types of treatments, essentially what we found is that improving emotion regulation skills uh, is associated with better treatment outcomes for depression and anxiety symptoms in youth. Um, And that includes both an increase in effective emotion regulation skills and a decrease in ineffective emotion regulation skills. So we're really excited because we essentially found that a lot of different treatments target emotion regulation. And uh, essentially, uh, a lot of people who enter these treatments will, will come out knowing a lot more uh, about emotions and emotion regulation in general.
0: For me, for someone who um, suffers from anxiety and depression, I'm currently having therapy at the moment. And what was like, found in the study definitely like was a parallel with that. So an example of that is like, I tend to compare a lot um, with other people to kind of um, put a stop to that thought, like a mental block, I guess, kind of um, sidetrack the thought and put an end to it. And I think that's a similar way and a similar to the findings.
2: You know, we often, we like when, I, when I'm when I talking about individual skills, like distraction, avoidance, like we, we all do these things, right? So it's important not to like get too carried away um, uh, with like what types of strategies you're using, like on a daily basis. Right. But it is, it is true that people with depression or anxiety, they tend to avoid more, more often, and it becomes more of a stable way that they deal with their stressors. Um, and so what we found is that because both people with depression and anxiety have higher levels of ineffective skills, essentially just trying to teach them more effective skills kind of balances it out a little bit more. And so, um, you know it's it's not necessarily it, it's it's more about the balance of skills i would say and you know we we learned these skills growing up and it just happens to be that you know you know when you start feeling anxious or depressed you start to you start to have more you start to rely on more of those like more ineffective skills and so um i i hope this is true for every for other youth as well is that we found that even just explaining it that way like some of the youth were like Oh, that's like a really cool way of looking at it. It's not like that I'm, you know, it's not that my brain has changed forever. It's just that I need to learn some more skills to just kind of like navigate the world a little bit better. Right. So that's, that's one of the, the, the sort of key findings that came out of meeting with our youth team as well. What, what we found is that almost every single type of therapy, like sort of a targets uh, emotion regulation skills in some way. Um, some do that better than others so we did find that co- cognitive behavioral therapy does uh, it just essentially enhanced the effects uh, the main findings that I was talking about. Um, that doesn't mean that other types of interventions are not effective at doing that, but this is an area where we need more research because we we had a we sort of had a skew towards studies that use cognitive behavioral therapy so we would like to see like more, you know, intervention research in this area to kind of understand whether these other treatments do that as well.
3: What do we mean by emotion controllability beliefs?
1: Emotion controllability beliefs. So what we're talking about is the beliefs that individuals hold about the extent to which they think emotions are controllable versus uncontrollable. So it seems we have, uh, there's there's people who, um, think emotions just kind of come and go, and there's not really much you can do about them, and there are other people who think they have quite a, a good amount of control over their emotions so this is really um, relates uh, quite closely to alex 's research um, but it's a quite a new it 's quite a new area of research so of the studies we reviewed, uh, almost all of them were in the last five to ten years um, so it 's more about looking at why and whether or when individuals engage in emotion regulation. Um, So this is um, why we think this area on beliefs is particularly important. Uh, So what we looked at, um, so we screened about 2,000 articles and we narrowed that all the way down to um, with our exclusion criteria. I think we got to 19 different articles. Um, And one of the key findings was people who believe Uh, their emotions are relatively controllable, are less likely to experience symptoms of anxiety and depression. And it looks like this is because if you believe you can control your emotions, you're more motivated to engage in emotion regulation, Um, you're more likely to expend more effort on regulation, and in turn you experience decreased anxiety and depression. so again, link, it links directly back to uh, Alex's work. Um, so because it's a new area, we think you know, there's a lot more work that needs to be done. So a lot of these studies are cross-sectional. Uh, so we need more longitudinal studies. So looking at these areas over a, a longer period. Um, and there are very few intervention studies. So we think um, you know, studies that look at interventions and how they change, um, or interventions that change emotion controllability beliefs and how that impacts on mental health is a really important area for future research to address. So what we found in terms of these beliefs was um, that those who believe emotions are controllable are more likely to use strategies like cognitive reappraisal. So so these are strategies um, where you try to deal with your experience, kind of your internal um, feelings. So when we have an emotion response, Uh, We often think of it as having three components. So you have this internal experience, so like what people would call their feelings. You have your behavioral expression, so what other people see, you know, your facial expression or your body movements. And then you have that physiological component, which is um, your heart rate increasing or maybe your palms sweating. So it seemed that these beliefs, people who believe emotions are controllable, links to these Strategies which deal with your experience, Uh, so like cognitive reappraisal is is like seen to be typically a healthy strategy um, because you're kind of reinterpreting um, that situation in in a more positive light. So we didn't find we didn't find the same links between these beliefs and strategies that deal with your expression of emotion. Um, So common strategy there that you see in the literature is suppression where you're kind of just hiding what you feel, you're suppressing, so nobody can see the emotion that you're expressing. Um, so we didn't find that beliefs linked to suppression, which was, which was quite interesting.
2: These two bodies of research are just so relatable. Um, something I was just thinking was like, it, it really comes down to how we deal with our emotions, right? Are we going to engage with the emotion or are we going to just like disengage and like not like, you know, go there essentially? And, you know, there's like, there's a lot of research supporting that if you are willing to engage and willing to experience some of that emotion, at least temporarily, it it can really help you kind of like, like uh, Matt was saying, reinterpret what's happening, accepting what's going on, maybe even come up with solutions to get out of it.
0: I think it also um, can depend on the severity of the emotion. Um, So for example, if you have a day that you're very like extremely depressed to the extent that I don't know, you can't get out of bed, for example, I don't think, well, me personally anyway, I don't think in that sense I would have the energy or the motivation to, and like your perceptions quite warped in that sense. Whereas if I'm feeling slightly like on the way, like on the verge of depression or anxiety, but and, and also I think contextually as well, depending on the setting. So for example, if I was at work, feeling depressed, I'm at work and I'm a barista, so I'm talking to customers, I can't I can't just go and like start crying. I just have to speak to them, whereas at home I'm more likely to say lie in bed and like cry. So I think it depends on the severity and also the context of whether you believe you can control it and then whether you actually take the steps to try and control the emotion.
1: And it might not it also might not be the best thing to do in the moment either. Like it just might be something that's not actually possible right because because to reappraise you actually have to really engage with whatever that thing was that had led to these negative emotions um so it's a hard it's a hard thing to do like chloe was saying with these really intense emotions
3: how do these beliefs affect youth mental health
1: and yeah so from from the evidence that we have you know in terms of implications for for practice, uh, we discussed this actually with the clin- the clinician panel, which is uh, clinical psychologists, um, and we were talking about how this is not well. All uh, the members of the panel didn't really um, address beliefs that much in their practice. They did. They they definitely looked at emotion regulation strategies, but the um, the, the beliefs of an individual about how well they can do it wasn't something they explicitly addressed. Uh, I think one of them talked about how it was implicitly, was implied there in some of the um, DBT uh, kind of processes, but but not, not explicitly addressed. And so we were talking about how it would be quite useful to actually do a, an early assessment of beliefs, um, so very early on in therapy, where you would understand um, which individuals actually believe they can control their emotions, so if they believe they can control their emotions, it might be quite appropriate to look at effective strategies. But if you get an individual who believes they have very little control over their emotions, there's probably not much point in going and looking at all these different strategies because they don't think they can do anything about it in the first place. So for that group, you you may be um, better addressing these beliefs uh, first and then move on to strategies subsequently. Um, but again, we yeah we want um, more research on more intervention research on on this area. The type of assessments um, you know, that they're using in the in the literature are quite. Um, they're, they're questions um, like you know to what extent do you agree with these following statements? And like one of them is the truth is people have very little control over their emotions. So I mean the measure that's used most widely is only four items. So it's something that therapists could use quite quickly and get a, get a pretty quick handle on that. Um, but I mean, you, you asked me about uh, implications for research as well, that's, that's one of the things we think needs to happen is actually having slightly more nuanced uh, measures of emotion controllability beliefs, because that, these are very general still. Um, and I don't think they're properly pulling apart whether we're actually asking people. So if, if you answer that statement, the truth is people have very little control over their emotions. We don't really know if you're answering about that internal experience or if you're uh, answering regarding the expression. And those are quite big differences and it's important to, to understand that. Uh, and they're also quite general in terms of they're not asking about, are we talking about anger or anxiety or happiness? Um, so these could all be you know very, very different answers in uh, and, and different contexts. So having a... Having a more detailed understanding of some of these contextual situational factors we think is really important.
3: Can we teach these emotion skills to young people?
2: Well, this is something that we thought about um, as part of our research. And actually, it was a lot of a lot of the youth uh, were really adamant about like, we need to get this into schools because we need to we need to teach people about emotions and, and not just like sweep them under the rug. Um, and and how to regulate them better too so like we we had a really good discussion about like how do we you know integrate this into the school system because you know oftentimes um youth and uh, youth don't really uh get a get exposed to those like health uh, those sort of uh, intervent- mental health and intervention pieces until like post-secondary school right and that's where a lot of the demand starts to be seen for th- services and so if we can if we can start, sort to of start early, like you said, we can actually also reduce the burden of anxiety and depression in these young people and hopefully kind of spread the word that, like, you know, emotions are manageable and emotions are, are not always to be feared. So I think that's something that we focused, that, that we came up from our discussion. Uh,
0: Personally, I, d- I don't remember ever learning about mental health or emotions or anything like that, controlling emotions, until actually university. I think that's when people spoke about it more um, and that's when I was aware of it in myself more, but definitely not in primary school. And I think primary school is, I remember like reception, obviously children mainly learn through play. And I think that could be something quite very easily incorporated into like play.
1: It's really important to uh, address early on, um, particularly with this uh, emotion beliefs research, it, it's kind of suggesting that, these beliefs um, aren't fixed early on, so they're quite flexible. So this is a, a really important um, area, a time to, to intervene. And there's pretty limited evidence again, um, looking at age in these beliefs, but it does suggest that they gradually, it's in gradual decline. So, so younger children believing that they have quite a lot of control and as they get older they, they, they start to think they've got less control over their emotions. So again, it's more kind of evidence suggesting uh, early intervention is important. Uh, the other thing to think about, I think, is trajectories. So you can have these negative and positive trajectories, which will kind of exacerbate these differences. So you have somebody who, who starts off believing, you know, they can, they have a lot of control over their emotion, they're, they're more likely to regulate their emotions and then get practice at regulating their emotions. And if that's successful, you know, they're going to feel good about themselves. And do that again. So this is kind of a, a positive spiral where, where they'll slowly be accumulating different strategies and uh, becoming more effective at using them. And then on the other side, uh, if you get somebody who, who believes they, um, they don't have much control over their emotions, they're less likely to attempt to, to regulate. Uh, when they do attempt to regulate, they've, they've had less practice, so they're less likely to be successful. And if that doesn't work, negative outcome they're not as likely to try it again so they're quite likely to end up with quite a limited range of strategies so so it is i think very important to 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 intervene early um and and like alex was saying i think with schools and also um parents there's a there's a key role there you know like where do these where do these beliefs come from and again it's another area where there's not enough uh research looking at the origins of these beliefs but um so we need to be looking at the kind of the language that we use. Um, it's kind of related. The beliefs research came out of the um, schools uh, talk about this a lot, the, the fixed versus growth mindset. It's about in, talking about intelligence. And uh, so there's a lot done. So so the beliefs research is basically that, but in terms of emotions. Um, and there's a lot done in terms of that area on intelligence, in terms of how you talk to children so you don't, um, if, you're, if you're trying to promote kind of more of a growth mindset, you, you don't say, well done, you know, you're really smart. You did you did good at that it's because you're really smart. You would say, yeah, well done, you, know, you put a lot of effort into that. So you're kind of emphasizing growth rather than that, that fixed aspect of intelligence. Um, so that's been looked at, you know, in, in that area, but it hasn't been looked at in the domain of emotion. So I think there's a lot that we can do there as well.
3: What was the impact of working with the young people's advisory group?
1: It kind of made us think quite differently about some of the things that we were that we were looking at. I think um, even even things like uh, um, like one example was measurement. Um, so we discussed we we talked through the items. Um, we didn't ask people what their answers were, but we kind of read the items out and think, how easy is this for you to answer? Um, do you do you think it applies to all contexts? So just finding out, firstly, how difficult some of those questionnaire items that we rely on in research are for people, and how some of the wording is uh, quite ambiguous, um, was was really important. And so that kind of led down to a you know a whole focus on measuring emotion controllability beliefs. Um, it uh, yeah also that that cultural aspect I think really informed how informed our report and how because we you you get these results um you know when you're doing a review you've got they're all kind of separate papers all uh, all arguing slightly different things and you have to kind of synthesize that. And so having these discussions with the youth panel and the clinicians really helped us to kind of conceptualize. So we included them at different stages. So even when we came up with our findings, we said here are our findings, what you know, what do you think about this? Uh, so it's such a valuable um, part of the project. So yeah, I'm really happy that we did that. Did it in that way. We had some fascinating discussions about um, culture in our panel. Where so we had we had um, uh, panelists from um, India, Bermuda, Nigeria, uh, Uganda, and with all of, all of these different cultural expectations and, and things things like. Um, some of the young people said they couldn't express their, um, you know, anxiety or depression to their parents because it was it was something that they were they were just told that they you know needed to deal with it and it's not something that you should be talking about. Um, others talked about how okay, this is you know this is normal for a girl to, to feel like this, um, but if I was a guy, I, w- I would be told that I'm not allowed to express that. So you can you can see. Um, all of these cultural factors uh, being very influential. Um, and then we have social factors as well. Um, so, you know, your ability to, to deal with or regulate your emotions uh, impacts on your social relationships. Um, we were talking, I think, again, Chloe mentioned how she feels at work versus how she feels at home. Um, if you're not able to regulate your emotions you know, in, in the work context, that could cause quite a lot of problems for you, you know, for your job or for your relationships at work. So um, knowing which strategies to use and when is really gonna impact on those relationships. And again, that's going to obviously have clear links with uh, anxiety and depression.
3: Visit the Welcome website to find out more about mental health at the Wellcome Trust.